Listen up, all you New York fans. Veteran New York sports talk host John Dostromsky gives his unique take on all the big stories in the Big Apple and beyond, including guest conversations, gambling picks, and reactions from you, the listener. Check out New York, New York with John Dostromsky on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or... Standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It's The Answer. My name is Chris Ryan. I'm your host. And today I'm joined by the newest addition to the Ringer staff. Boz Lambre, he came by. We just talked about a bunch of NBA stuff. I know usually I have a central question that I'm asking that we're trying to answer, but I just wanted to catch up with Waz about all things NBA. And if there was a central question to this episode, it's what are we looking forward to in the playoffs? And maybe how can the playoffs and how can this postseason redeem what's been a little bit of, you know, not depressing, but maybe not always the most inspiring NBA season. An NBA season that seemed to have to happen for financial reasons and had to happen in a certain way for financial reasons, but... Maybe the flip side of that, the bright side of that, the silver lining of that is that like guys have been saving it up for the postseason. And this postseason, the way it's shaking out with the play-in tournament, with play-in tournament, having this kind of tractor beam effect on the Lakers, the possibility that we could see Zion and Steph in a play-in tournament, like elimination game, the possibility that like we could get a Clippers-Lakers first round series, like it's going to get electrifying like really early and I wanted to get hyped for it. So Waz came by and uh, he got me hyped for it like pretty easily. So check it out. Uh, this episode of The Answer and we'll be back with you next week. All right, man. This is really exciting for me. Waz is here. Waz Lambert is officially part of The Ringer and this is officially, is this your first Ringer podcast as a Ringer, as a Ringer employee? This is really exciting shit. Yeah, man, it feels like if you ever watched the Through the Wire video, when <laughs> when Kanye comes out and Dame puts the Rockefeller chain on him, that's that's what this feels like right now, man. Do this I get to be chain. Dame in this situation? That's right, you the Dame dash of the ringer, bro. Usually, I'm like the like at best young guru. I'm just on the boards, nah, nah, slightly no, no, no. tweaking the EQs. No, 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 no. Now that I'm here, I'm gonna have you pouring champagne on video vixens <laughs> and on yachts in Trinidad. That's what you're doing now, Chris Ryan. Um. I'm so glad that you joined us, man. I've been a fan for such a long time. Obviously, folks have heard you on the answer other Ringer pods, and now you're here with us. You're going to be working on the Ringer NBA show throughout the postseason. We're developing a bunch of stuff with you. We're really excited to have you aboard. 
I wanted to introduce you to, I mean, everybody knows that the answer is sort of the tide that lifts all the boats. It's like Bill and KOC just surf on the back of the waves here <laughs> to their traffic. And I wanted just to let this mass audience know, like, what, like, do you have any core basketball beliefs? Before we get into, like, what we want to talk about today, is there anything, like, people should know about you going into, into your, your new career here? I mean, honestly, my thing about the NBA specifically, um, I just think these guys, not only are they the best athletes in the world, I think they're the most interesting guys in American sports, right? I think you you can, any metric you want to use to draw, whether it be who's doing movies, Instagram followers, um, impressions, whatever you want to, any metric you want to look up, these guys are the people that folks are generally the most interested in individually in American sports. Um, and so that's how I attack it. You know what I mean? My interest in it, my coverage of it, it's more holistic than anything else. Cause I just think these guys are, you know, the, some of the most fascinating people in culture period. And that's how I, you know, I approach everything I do as it relates to the NBA. You know, I'm not just the, I'm not just somebody doing this as my job. I'm obsessed with the NBA. So that's, you know, that's the type of energy you're going to get from me as far as my coverage as a journalist <laughs> with the J. There's, I'm wearing a, they can't see, but I'm wearing a fedora right now. That's has right. a feather in it. A little press I'm card. Capital J. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what to do now because like this this pod typically talks about slob actions. We talk about ATOs. We talk about pin down screens. So it's like <laughs> we don't do a lot of holistic coverage on this pod, but we could try. We could try today. Um, you and I were talking a little earlier in the week. I was like, what do you want to chat about on Friday? And you, you know, you had mentioned that you felt like there was a malaise over this season, which has kind of been unintentionally the theme of this pod this season. It's just been kind of mostly picking at the scabs here and there, like being like, what's up with like the analytical and tactical tipping point we may have arrived at and fans not being in the crowd, the compression of the stadium, and basically whether or not there is like a kind of, not institutional collapse or failure, but like at least a, a stutter going on in the NBA in terms of, I think, the reputation of the league versus the, like, you know, the reality of the league right now. And I guess I'm curious, what, what makes you think personally, that there has been like a kind of cloud hanging over the league this year? I mean, we saw it when they came back two months after the season had ended, the previous season had ended, right? Like there were public comments made by prominent NBA players that they were not into the idea of coming back within two months. Like it was made public. So the guys were against it, first of all. Uh, second of all, like anybody with any type of sense could know like Two months does not does not an offseason make, right? So it, it was just, you know, we realized that the only reason they were doing this because of the dollars. They had to salvage the money. And this season was going to be the sort of sacrificial lamb. Uh, and everybody involved knew it. I think, you know, there's been so much made of load management and needing to sort of lop off games from the season and all of those things, right? Sports science, et cetera, et cetera. I think this year you saw people taking games off, like straight up like, this is PTO. Yeah. You know, this isn't even load management. This is straight <laughs> PTO. I got days off, et cetera, et cetera, like any other job. Like, yo, I put my two weeks in. You know, like it, it, that's what they've been doing all season. And then, you know, you can tell from the product very early on in the season, a bunch of people pointed it out, like the blowouts. 
like the number of games that ended with a point differential of 25 plus or more. We're at record setting paces. And we know what that is, right? You and I have watched enough NBA games to know when somebody's up 20, the game's not over. All yeah. of a sudden this season, dudes are just like, yo, they got me coming back after two months. They're condensing this, this schedule um, and compressing it. 72 games in way less time. Like, I'm not tripping off of this one game. And I think that's sort of been the attitude all season, which, you know, is unfortunate, but it's it's a must because they wanted to get their schedule back in order. Next year, they're going to have all of their fans in there. The schedule is going to be back to what it needs to be, et cetera, et cetera. But this season, specifically the regular season, um, and notoriously the NBA regular season, quote unquote, doesn't matter. And so this season, it just straight up, extra didn't matter. And I think that, you know, the product has has suffered for it, which is to be understood. Although, you know, I know there's a long-winded ass answer. I say all of that to say, I think what the bubble proved to me and everybody else is that when these guys are ready to lace them up and go completely hard and balls to the wall, they will. And I think we're going to see that in the postseason. Yeah, that... The, the two sides of that. So like last night was basically symbolic of like my entire experience <laughs> of the regular season. I got like emotionally invested in the idea of watching Lakers Clippers. I was like, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> my wife went out. I was like, I got my ramen delivered. I got a cold beer out. I cracked it open. I like put a tablet to the side so that I could follow along on social media and enjoy the laughs. And then I realized, oh, I, I think I missed the beginning of the game. And I turned it on there. Like Clippers were up 22. And I was like... <laughs> What, what the fuck happened? What happened here? Like, I'm just like, I just turned this on. And that is like, you're right. Yes, leads happen, runs happen. But there is this weird feeling of like, damn, these guys are down 34 in the third quarter. Like that, this game is over. And there are a lot of like these sort of immediate endings to games where one side is just like, we just showed up to like make up the numbers so that we didn't forfeit. Also, I think with... <laughs> Also, what's funny is that specifically with the Lakers and Clippers, because they so clearly don't like each other, uh, they always treat their games as sort of like, we're not going to show them anything for real. Yeah, We're right. going to do our base stuff right. and we're not going to like actually whip out any of the crazy stuff that we might have to during the playoffs, right? Like we're going to, like for instance, the Lakers would play their two big lineup f all freaking game. Yes. Meanwhile, we know in the playoffs their best lineup is AD at the five, right? Uh, so they would treat these games like that anyway. But then LeBron's not playing. So it's like... <laughs> LeBron's not playing. AD gets back spasms. Like, the game seems like it's a wrap. THT wasn't playing. I don't even know if that would have made a difference. And then, you know, like, to, to your point, I thought it was interesting watching Rondo on the sideline and a couple of times just because, you know, you still don't have very full stadium, so you can hear a lot of banter on the sidelines. And Rondo is essentially like, like calling out plays to target <laughs> Trez. He's just like, he's too small. Go at him. And just playing Trez off the court mentally from the sideline. I was like, this is incredible. You know, so like, I, I hear like that's, that was basically symbolic of the experience of watching the season. There's been like a handful of really cool games. There's been some really great stories. But for the most part, I think we are invested like, we have put all of our eggs in the playoffs basket yeah. to like really come through. See, I, I agree with you that like in, there are definitely years where this part of the season is essentially like paid vacation and guys are just like, I just don't want to like get a high ankle sprain going into the playoffs. unlike LeBron, but like how good do the playoffs have to be 
to kind of redeem what we've seen this season? I think what's going to end up happening is that the playoffs are going to be incredible because it's going to be compared to this product. Like basically every single regular season, it's a bad idea to compare that hoop to what happens in the postseason. And now this year is just exponentially worse idea to compare what's happening in this regular season or what's absolutely going to happen in the playoffs. Like the effort level, execution level, the skill level, because there's no longer going to be any, sorry, Chicago fans, Chicago Bulls games or OKC games or Orlando Magic games. Like the skill, execution and effort level are going to be ratcheted up to such a degree as to make this regular season like unrecognizable as NBA basketball. So I think it's going to have the effect of being like, wow, I forgot the NBA could be this great. Yeah. And I think I honestly truly think that's what's going to happen because so many guys have so many things to prove which, you know, obviously we'll get into later. Yeah, you know, and the the other thing there is that I actually think in in this year more than maybe any other in the last 10 years. These guys are like we have a shot at this. Like there are yeah. there there's like Upwards of 40 NBA players who like legitimately are going into this season being like, I've shot it at winning an NBA title. And for a lot of these dudes like Chris Paul, like completely changing my legacy as a player. That's the most exciting thing to me is that like the Miami thing last year, I think was at once like made perfect sense that that was like a bubble team. That was a team that was just like seemed to eat up the very thing that was breaking other teams, which was <laughs> like isolation. And they like were obviously it was essentially like a home game being in Orlando is not that different from being in Miami. I just thought that they like adapted to the situation the best. And then a couple of other teams around them imploded. But what they proved is that like if shit breaks right, you never know. You never know. Yeah. You got it, and that's what. And and like, it isn't just the like LeBron rules where it's like if he's on this team, he's going to the finals. So who's the one other team that gets to play against him? So I mean, as, well, I want to talk a little bit about what what we might see, what might be like a great sort of four act in the playoffs that would that would kind of redeem the season. But do you look around and see another Miami or another team that comes out of nowhere in the postseason, almost March Madness style? I think everybody was looking at Denver to be that team uh, after we watched how they play uh, after the acquisition of Gordon, where it's like, wow, like this guy fits this scheme and this team like a glove. He's exactly what they were be- had been missing as far as just a component of athleticism and force that he plays with, right? The floor, so like for the first time in his entire career, he's playing in a spread floor. Orlando has just spent years just drafting rangy wing guys with absolutely no Jimmy. Um, So he's been playing in this condensed court and then all of a sudden he gets in Denver and it's like, anytime I cut to the basket, it's me and my man and I'm going to overpower this dude once Jokic delivers the rock to me. Right. So I think we all thought it was going to be Denver, but then of course Murray goes down, which again, casualty to the season. Mm -hmm. I don't care what anybody tells me. That's a schedule casualty. Um, The Jamal Murray thing. So aside from them, (laughs) is Milwaukee allowed to be that team? Yeah, I think so. I think that 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 was like how, how not disgraceful, but like (laughs) once they got banged out of there by Miami last year, I was like, this is going to have to be you guys are going to have to find me at the finals to like yeah. really redeem redeem what just happened here. 
you know, um, there's there's just such little belief in what they can do, even after the Drew Holiday acquisition. It's just this idea of just like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, fool me again. You can't. How did W say it? I, I yeah. can't remember, but but you know what I mean. I, I, but I think. People have been so dismissive of them. I think they do have a chance to come out of nowhere and sort of surprise people with, you know, they do have a high level of talent on their team. I think there's a lack of belief in the coach, which I think is founded based off of the last two postseasons. And even if you want to go back to Atlanta, uh, I think it's founded. But I do think they have a talent level that is such that they could beat damn near anybody. They're dope. If it comes down to that. They're dope, and I still hate the, like, the taking threes with 23 seconds left in the shot clock like just off the like I just don't know if those shots are going to be there or fall and I know they've made adjustments on defense and like everybody's just like no no they're switching now and I'm like no they seem good I'm glad that Giannis is practicing the jumpers I'm glad that it's not just going to be him running into Bam and falling down and every and Drew is obviously like a huge upgrade over anything that they've had over the last five years but I still don't love their offense when it comes to the postseason. 100%. I think, you know, and I've been banging this drum for two to three years now. Uh, this concept of Giannis as this wing initiator, he's miscast in that role. I, and I always use the Lakers as an example. He's more AD than he is LeBron. He's a mm -hmm. finisher, not an initiator. And I don't know that they've built a squad that can best exploit his finishing capabilities, right? Like, Drew Holiday is an amazing hooper, but he's nobody's idea of some incredible table setter, right? That's not really his strength. His strength is in the fact that he's a Swiss Army knife and that he can do a little bit of everything, you know? Um, he's a jack of all trades, but a master of none, if you will. So I don't know that they've changed the context by which they come to postseason offense in crunch time you know is it still going to be Giannis dribbling the ball 30 feet from the basket with guys sagging off of him and daring him that's to me that's a losing form of the ball who knows they've experimented a lot with other people initiating in big moments this year so we'll see if when nut crunch crunching time comes if they'll actually go to that right because it's one thing to do it in the regular season but mm -hmm. it's another thing when your job your season is on the line. It's like, here, Giannis, do something. You know, that tends to be what happens. They played the regular season well, though. Like, they yeah. never really got into that zone where people are like, Yo, you guys going to try to win 63 games? Like, you know, it's right. like they never really got so far ahead that, like, it felt like they were trying to rack up wins. Unne not unnecessarily. You try to win every game. But, like, there are, t there are seasons where teams, like, the Rockets from a couple years ago, the Warriors from a couple years ago, like you, or, or the Bucks over the last couple of seasons, where it's like, oh, you guys want first first seed, you guys are busting everybody up on, on a nightly basis, and I just felt like they were able to fly under the radar for a long time this season. Like we wrote about them a lot, but I don't feel like a lot of people really have been checking for the fact that the Bucks have been in and around that first seed all season long for the most part, and. Yeah, like, I hear what you're saying about Drew. I still think, like, a crazy what-if is just, like, what happens if they had just figured out a way to go Chris Paul. Like, I just, I do think Chris Paul That's and that Bucks team is just... I was crying for. Were you? Yes. Like, you know, it's, it's... You can say whatever the hell you want about Chris Paul. Uh, he knows how to 
grind out competent offensive possessions. You are going to come up with quality looks all the time, right? And you can just put him in charge of doing that, you know? And so just that alone um, makes him somebody they needed. And, you know, people say, well, they lost to the Heat on on defense. Sure, sure. They <laughs> These dudes were playing drop coverages for like three games mm-hmm. against Tyler Hero and Duncan <laughs> Robinson. And it's like... Wait, so you're just going to sag off of a screen because that's what you've been doing all regular season? Right. Even though your opponent is just raining trays on your head top? And they just kept doing that, right? So they did kind of lose it on defense, but let's not pretend that they had some grand plan on offense either. They didn't. They would have got smoked if it came down to crunch time and just letting Giannis do what he does, as we mentioned. Uh, I just think Chris Paul, and it's been borne out in Phoenix, it's been borne out every single place that he's gone. The guy understands what a quality look is, right? Mm-hmm. And he understands what the defense is trying to do. He understands how to position his guys in order to generate those looks. It, it, to me, the Chris Paul thing was a no-brainer. But obviously, you know, Milwaukee, they had other, they had other plans. Ryan and Bill were talking the other day. I think it was on their Sunday pod. They were talking about CP3. And they were talking about, I think Ryan was saying, like, There was one moment a couple weeks ago where he saw like a play where Aiton kind of got like stuck out like on a switch and just guarded his ass off against Jordan Clarkson. And then because he did such like through put so much effort into this like defensive assignment and was like following Clarkson all over the court and stuck with him. Immediate next possession, Paul makes sure Aiton gets the ball. Make sure he gets the ball in the poster, like gets gets a look. That's the kind of like emotional like esteem service that I don't think the Bucks have had in the past. And that's sometimes when you're watching them and it's like you guys just had a good de- like defensive p- like stop and the, the it's because the way the offense is laid out like the math says Dante DiVincenzo should take this shot if he's got 3 feet of daylight even if there's 23 <laughs> seconds left in the shot clock even if he didn't have anything to do with the defensive possession on the other end of the floor even if he doesn't necessarily need a shot right now and Chris is the kind of guy who would be like he doesn't need to do this right now this guy needs to do this like i feel yeah. like they do need bud's system clearly works but it doesn't necessarily always like accumulate what people actually need on a court to play well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's very, uh, predictable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like this, that, 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 and that's the problem against the best players, against the smartest players, against the most skilled players. You telling me, I know what you're going to do every time. And you dare me to just beat that. Like I can't pass this test when I know the answers already. That's, that's the problem with, that system that he's been, you know, sort of running. And again, the proof is in the pudding. Just look at OKC last year. That team had no business being any good, but for Chris Paul being on it straight up and down, right? Like, and you know, the the situation in Houston was what it was. Uh, I think the personality mixes between he and Harden were, in ideal, <laughs> you know, yeah. and so yeah. the basketball sort of went the way that it did. Uh, but, you know, the guys won every single place that he's gone. You know, you can talk about the postseason success and he's, you know, he sort of had meltdowns in the most inopportune moments, obviously, in the past. But you can't tell me this guy doesn't play winning basketball every single time. He does it straight from it. 
And so, you know, Phoenix, that story is amazing. I'm so happy for them and what's going on there, right? Uh, it, it, like, that thing that they did in the bubble was amazing in the sense that these dudes played at a high effort and execution level. And it's like, damn, like, I've never seen this group play like this before. Yeah. And then they go out and get a high level execution psychopath in there. Yeah. <laughs> and and it just, you know, and it takes off in the way that it did. And so, you know, like, look, I'm watching the Bucks. I'm 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 gonna pay attention to what they're doing. I can't say that I'm all that optimistic. And honestly, if Harden, KD, and Kyrie are even relatively healthy at the same time, none of this stuff even matters. You don't think it's like, do you think that's like a uh, like a, a couple of gentlemen sweeps for them. Like, do you think it's not even close? I don't think it's close. I think, I think, I think somebody like Miami can give them some problems because between Spo being, for my money, the best coach in the NBA, uh, as far as not just adjustments, just getting his guys to understand what the plan is. Like, execution-wise, like, when the Heat are locked in, they're executing at a level that is ridiculous. So I think between scheme and execution, I think Miami could cause some problems. And, you know, Jimmy Butler, man, he's a problem. He's been he playing is, really well the second half of the season, for sure. He's a problem. And if he's at all right, I think they have they're going to have good crunch time offense, and scheme-wise, defensively, they're going to execute at a ridiculous level. Um, and again, they have personnel that obviously Jimmy makes them switchable, Bam makes them switchable, Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, they, they become a little bit problematic. But again, you can deal with switches onto Joe Harris, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I, I just think Miami, I, I just love the idea of Spo coming up with ways to gum up the works for this, you know, free-flowing, one-on-one, you know, smooth basketball that Brooklyn likes to run. Yeah, they run this, like, I mean, at least from my eye, watching them, it seems like they've just, like, perfected this five-out, like, driving kick. There's always a guy cutting the basket, but for the most part, there's nothing but space. I feel like you're either being polite or impolite by not mentioning Philly. Like, it's either, like, you're either saying... <laughs> Like you either try not to hurt my feelings or you're trying to troll me into asking about it, but let's do uh, it. I uh, mean, you they know, they have two elite wing defenders. Now, neither do. of those guys can shoot. So that's a problem. Like they, they have, but I think that defensively, they can serve up the best like antidote towards Brooklyn, like with rim protection, with wing defenders. I don't know, man. It, I, I, I like the problem is we haven't really seen the three-headed monster in Brooklyn. Like we've seen seven games of it. So like, right. you're, I, I, I want to project and I want to say like, well, the math problem is just unsolvable. Like if you've got Kyrie, Kevin, and James on this on the court together, you don't have twelve dudes to guard them. So that's just that's a that's a wrap. Yeah, and, and you know, to me, what it boils down to is, will they be willing to gummy the works, to muddy the game up, to make it a nasty in the mud, grind it out, like. Philly and Miami will. Okay, okay. And that's, to me, that's what it's going to take. I it, I think about 2016, the Warriors versus the Cavs, where the Cavs figured out, like, we're going to knock Steph around. Mm -hmm. We're going to walk the ball up. We're going we're gonna to make this thing nasty. 
We're going to make it bloody. Game seven was in the 90s. The Warriors were not playing games in the 90s in 2016, dude. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um. so whenever you have a team who's that highly potent, the, the plan has to be to make it a slugfest, to slow it down. Don't walk it up. Uh, don't be afraid to get into some little elbows shoving little situations. Like, you got to be willing to do that and see how KD... Harden are going to respond specifically, right? Uh, and again, another thing with KD, I think the regular season doesn't test his ability to everybody getting up in his shirt, like mm -hmm. really, really getting up in his shirt and forcing him to, one, drive past me on that Achilles, and two, stop, plant, rise up on that Achilles over me, right? Like Because those are the shots he's going to have to make and take in the playoffs against amazing set defenses. I don't think he's been put to the test that way in the regular season. I also was noticing the last time I watched him a couple of nights ago where I was just like, he's coming down. Like a lot of guys are not giving him any space to land. Like for, for and I feel like that's like this weird, like they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do about this. But with him with, with, and with Kyrie, I feel like those guys are spending a lot of time like on their ass after jump shots and then looking at the ref and just being like, what's up? And it's like, I don't know there's, whether it's something about their form, like when they're going up or whether or not that's just how people are defending guys now. Where it's, it's like the rather... only way you can deal with them. Yeah. Um, like if you, if, if people go back and watch the best defender against KD ever is Tony Allen. And that's what he did. He got in his airspace. He didn't get like, he basically just stayed in his shirt. I know that sounds cliche as hell, but he just stayed on him, mm -hmm. like like literally stuck to this guy. And it's like, all right, rise and fire, but you're coming down with me all up in your grill. Uh, and so I think that's gonna be the the the, the sort of solution. Um strategically sending two at KD because although he's gotten so much better since the beginning of his career at playmaking, that's not his strength. Yeah. And so I think when teams get smart about when they send two to KD, uh, is gonna be part of how you guard Brooklyn because this idea that you're just going to let them ISO you to death, that doesn't, that just, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a sure way to the freaking guillotine. You can't do that. You got to be strategic about when you send the help. Now, Harden, don't even think about it. Yeah. Don't even think about sending a second guy to Harden. He's, he's going to just destroy you because past, it comes too fast. It just comes too fast. He's, he's, his, his processor is just so much faster than everybody else's. So you can't do that. But KD and Kyrie, you can absolutely strategically um, send two their way. Um, and I think, you know, whether if you want to do it with size, whether you want to do it with, with quickness and hands, who knows? But you got to be smart. And again, I think... Spolster is the person I trust the most to come up with something to slow that thing down. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for five dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add on to your meal. Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is 
an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. We're getting excited about basketball. It feels like it feels like we're like of we're course. like like so let's do let's do a couple of things that we're looking forward to in the playoffs that we think could make it a season like that you, you we hold dear to our hearts, right? I got for the first act for this first early round here, I think I'm ready to embrace the chaos. As long as we get like I I I know that a bunch of superstars are now just being like who came up with this shit, but the play in tournament has like the idea of having like essentially like a classic game seven before the playoffs even start is intoxicating. It's really, really smart. And there is an outside shot that we get something like Zion Steph in a one game playoff. And that is that's genius, man. Usually we're stuck watching like I just, you know, watching Joe Johnson Hawks teams get gentlemen swept. You know, like that's how the playoffs usually start for us. This has got like the, ch- the chance to really like give us some electroshock therapy. Listen, you know, how I know this is a great thing. All the agita is, ca- is causing amongst players who are on teams that are around seven seed. Mm-hmm. LeBron starts crying and, and, and moaning about it now that his team is seventh seed. Luca was doing it before. Oh, this is stupid. I can't believe they're doing it. That's how I know it's awesome. Yeah. Right? Because this, if it was one of those things where LeBron and the Lakers know, like, we're just going to smoke whoever we play. It doesn't freaking matter. They wouldn't be crying about it in public. You know? And I love that it adds this sort of, and obviously, Chris, I know that you're into European soccer, it adds this sort of element of top four going to the Champions League or relegation, et cetera, et cetera. It adds that bit of intrigue to everything. And so I'm excited about it. And I'm also excited about Man City being in the Champions League (laughs) final, my boy. (laughs) Man, how did you even just like decide that you liked this team, man? So, So one, let's get this out the way. I'm a lifelong Jets and Mets fan. Okay. Okay. Dual existence, dual suffering, misery. Um, just, 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 just harrowing stuff being fans of those two teams. No, I know. F- fantasy, I'm best friends with fantasy. It's, it's so you already know. The theater is, is real. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, you know, I just really got into, um, European soccer. It was probably like, I want to say like 2016. Mm-hmm. 2015-ish around it, probably 2016 closer to. And so I put it to a poll to my Twitter followers like, yo, what club should I support? And everybody was basically like, look, man, (laughs) 
You've had enough suffering. Yeah, you can go with Arsenal with if you want. In the yeah, <laughs> but just just run with the winners, man. You can, you got to go with Pep. You got to go with you got to go with Man City. And you know, at the same time, I remember watching um, Yaya Toure. Was it 2014? Where when he they, was just killing people at the bossed World it. Cup. Yeah, yeah, he was. Killing people like the way this dude was controlling everything in the middle of the pitch. I'm like, yo, this guy is freaking insane. Yeah, right. And so you know that didn't hurt either. And so yeah, you can you can um thank Yaya Toure and my Mets and Jets fandom for now. Yeah, I support the Emirates. <laughs> I'm about to get a tattoo of the flag, <laughs> and we keeping it pushing. I think that actually, if people are looking for clubs to get into, rather than put it in, put it to Twitter, I would probably tell them watch a major tournament, like watch a World Cup or a Euros, and pick your favorite player and find out who he plays yeah, for. Now, facts. there there is like a lot of player movement in football, but it's not as I think guys usually do like three to five years on a squad. Yeah. So if you find somebody you like, the chances are whoever he's playing with, he's going to be there for a little bit. That's how I, I got into Liverpool was seeing Steven Gerrard. Like, I guess it was like in 06 or something like that, maybe 07. Mm. But like, I was just really, I was blown away by him. And I was like, I guess I'm a Liverpool mm. fan. I forgot where we were. Oh, we were talking about the playing game. And it, yeah, yeah, you're right. It gives, it gives this like adrenaline shot to the, to the playoffs, yeah. which I think, yes, could there be a situation where like, the Spurs somehow like knock out like three other teams that are like maybe more blockbuster value for sure. But like, I think the, the chances are that we'll get at least in one of those conferences a really, really dope, like one game, this, th these two stars squaring off for everything. So I'm looking forward to that. What's your feeling on getting really good rivalry matchups too early in the playoffs because I've heard some people talking about like when is the exact moment to get Clippers Lakers in the Western Conference Finals but to me I think the great the next the next thing I would look forward to is getting that like these guys these guys have to play like a very serious matchup the first round like Lakers Clippers first round would be delightful to me I mean, just the idea that you want to perfectly time it is stupid after we watched what happened last season right. when Denver kicked these guys out prematurely. So, like, if you haven't learned your lesson, if you actually want to see this thing, just be happy when it happens. Because trust me, trust me, Chris, it's going to be theater whenever it happens. Because, man, I, I was at the Clippers, I was at Doc, Doc Rivers' pregame press conference when somebody asked him about something LeBron said, and Doc basically, he said, we're going with our plan that we've already had with Kawhi, and that's what we're going to do. We don't know what their plan is. It's probably just what LeBron tells him it is. <laughs> and I was like, ooh. Because it's one thing, when you watch it, it's one thing. But in the room, I could tell Doc was like, fuck these dudes. Yeah. Straight up and down. He's talking shit about me and my squad. Fuck those dudes. Straight up. I could feel it. Yeah. And so I know that these dudes have a problem. Like, just the fact that LeBron went out of his way to go after them. Like, there was no reason for it. It's obvious that there's, a, there's an understanding that Kawhi is my freaking biggest rival, mm -hmm. biggest threat, my closest comp. And the Clippers, they play in our building. They play in our city. We don't like those dudes. So I know whenever those two teams 
face off in a playoff setting, it's going to be fun. Give Trust it to me. me. Early. Give it Whether to me it's early. The first round, second round, third round, it's going to be a problem, guys. The third thing I want to see is a generational page turn. Like I, I think we've been primed for it. Obviously, it feels like earlier and earlier in guys' career, they're giving more and more like franchise responsibility. Like essentially, like Luca is the Dallas Mavericks. Like Zion is obviously going to be the Pelicans. We keep putting all this emphasis on younger players, but in the end of the day, we're watching Jimmy and LeBron and mm-hmm. KD and these dudes who we've been watching like for the most part for the last 10, 15 years. So I would love to see some effort towards like turning the league over to the Embiid's, the Jokic's, the Lucas, the whatever's, you know, like just the, the bookers, just because I think that's a, that's like the circle of life. It's time to do it. But B it's just like exciting to see different teams in the mix again. It's exciting to see the Suns. It's exciting to see the jazz. It's exciting to see Philly. If I may say so, like it's exciting to see all these squads kind of like, reckoning with like man maybe lebron's not going to be around forever man maybe like maybe like these guys are gettable yeah and i think you're going to see that bear out in the playoffs in these series i don't think again aside from brooklyn out east i don't think there's any way for the clippers to have a waltz through the playoffs yeah there's the the lakers are not going to waltz through the playoffs like it's going to be a slog for all of these guys um, and the teams that they're going to have, you know, these slugfests against are your Phoenixes, are your Denvers, are your Utahs, right? Like, these mm-hmm. teams are going to give them major problems. Like, they're going to face major adversity. And I think that's going to show people like, no, 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 no. These, these young guys are here. This, is, this isn't theoretical that one day they might ascend to the level of these, you know, proven veteran superstar types. Like, no, all of these series are going to be tough. Nobody's beaten Utah in five games. That's not happening this year. You know, the Suns, I'm kind of skeptical of the Suns. I hate their big man rotation for the playoffs specifically. But I think Utah, even Denver without Murray, I think it's going to be... You you haven't bought all the Suns Kool-Aid? Nah, nah, nah. I, I, I love the story. I love the ascension after just years... After seven seconds of less of just like being lost in the forest. But you don't want to see Frank out there. No, no, no. And 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 by the way, like Aiton, I lo- I like him as a player, but like, do you trust him to be the anchor of a solid playoff defense? I I, I just can't see that for him. And you know, Dario Saric. God bless him. Remember yeah. early in the season, him at the five lineups were just destroying people. You want to see that? You want to see that lineup against the Lakers? <laughs> <laughs> I think the Lakers specifically show, give them a little bit of problems. You know what Look, I'm I mean, like I think the Lakers are like actually like, it's hard because like I don't really know what how I'm evaluating the Lakers. Am I evalu- evaluating like the Kuzma West Matthews Drummond Lakers, or am I evaluating like a? An AD LeBron with like like Marcus all coming out of mothballs and directing traffic. Here's how you evaluate the Lakers. LeBron, straight up. The Lakers have the best defense in the league when they're healthy. Mm-hmm. And then LeBron, straight up, walking down every possession, dictating the terms of every single possession. You want to face that in the no. playoffs? No. No. <laughs> 
You don't want that. You don't want those problems in your life. Look, we had like, this is the last thing that I wanted to talk about, which is the idea of a finals matchup. And I think that there's like, it's it's funny, like people will start like armchair quarterbacking, like what would be good for the league? Like, oh, the league doesn't want, um, I don't know, like a, like a, a Bucks versus Suns finals or something like that. I think that would be really exciting. But like the league wants a certain matchup. They want Lakers, Brooklyn. They want something like that. I just want something that doesn't have caveats because I feel like last season, despite how good the Lakers played, there is, and I don't think it's an asterisk as much as it's just like it was a weird bubble season and it was a weird like the the, the heat kind of stormed through, you know, a Bucks team that were obviously like that that like obviously like became the center of the demonstrations and the protests and then like obviously lost to the heat. Like I think that there was a lot of stuff going on in the bubble that like kind of gave the the whole the the procession of the Lakers a little bit of a different tint. I would love to just feel like these were the best two teams at the end of the playoffs. They got to play one another and it wasn't cuz LeBron had a high ankle sprain that he couldn't get over and it wasn't because this person tweaked their knee or these people like melted down. Like it would just be like these two teams played the best in the postseason. It's really all I can wish for. I, and I think you're going to get that. And that might be my own blind optimism, but the playoffs have a funny way of forcing great players to do great things. I know mm-hmm. that sounds like cliche and pat, but like you only get that Kawhi shot, sorry, Chris, against Philly in the play, <laughs> like that moment yeah. in the magnitude of it and like can only happen in that crucible, right? Yeah. And the playoffs have a funny way of extracting that out of the best players. And I think we're going to get those moments, this playoffs. Like, I think these guys are going to be really locked in because let's face it, they haven't done shit all season. (laughs) (laughs) They have have the energy and the wherewithal to pull that out of themselves. I really, really do genuinely think that's what's going to happen. Do you have any, like... Not predictions, but do you have like a feeling about any team? Do you have like a sixth sense about any teams going to the playoffs that people maybe aren't talking about enough or that like you think could make a run or actually like are not built for this? I'm waiting for Donovan Mitchell to do the thing that I just know he has in him. I just know it. I know he has it in him to just take over a big series where it's just like, They got out of that damn round against that team that was just as good as as them because Donovan Mitchell did it. Yes. I'm just waiting for him to do that, and I think he's going to do it this year. I really, really do. I don't really... I'm not a Rudy guy. (laughs) Yeah? I'm just not a Rudy guy. Temperamentally, like, just some of the stuff he's done and... I'm not a Rudy like guy. Like outside of the phone touching? Like if you just, are you, uh, yeah, okay. This is something about him temperamentally that's just not my cup of tea. Um, and so I think it shades how I feel about how he yeah. plays. Plus like in the playoffs, he's like been like not amazing in the postseason, yes. right? So I don't, I think the Jazz are going to go far because they have a perimeter guy who just can't be dealt with. And that's how teams have won championships, yeah. You know, it's been proven. You need a wing guy who can't be stopped one-on-one. And yeah. I think if and when Donovan Mitchell be, finally becomes that guy on the biggest stage, 
You're going to see Utah do crazy things. It's not, and obviously on a possession-to-possession basis, defensively, Rudy's a big part of it. And even offensively, he's a big part of what they do, you know, as far as the spread, pick, and roll, right? Uh, but I think in the playoffs, bro, you just put a wing on Rudy. He's not going to punish you. And you switch the pick and roll. It's kind of, it's basically that simple. Yeah. And so it comes down to, can Donovan Mitchell just crush his matchup? And I think he's going to finally do it. Or, or, like, are the Jazz one of those weird teams that's going to wind up with their second best player on the bench in the most crucial points of a playoff game? Which I, I don't know if constitutionally, like, Quinn Listen, can do. I'm old enough to remember Kevin Love losing minutes to washed up Richard Jefferson in the <laughs> NBA Finals. Okay? Yeah, that yeah, I feel that like was... they won because they started benching Kev Love, right? Yeah. Um, so that's, and it's the playoffs. Ain't no time for this. Rudy, we're paying you this much. We got to win. Right. You know, matchup wise, we got to go with whatever matchup works best. So yeah, I'm I'm waiting for Donovan Mitchell to take his step and let everybody know that he's one of those guys for real. We end on Utah talk. How about that? Don't (laughs) don't let him say that we only do big markets. Uh, boss, thank you so much for joining me today. And thanks so much for joining the ringer. I can't wait to hear what you do. Hey man, Chris, we going to fuck these people up. I promise you. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to The Answer. We are produced by Isaiah Blakely. And you can listen to The Ringer NBA show four, sometimes five times a week. Uh, Subscribe, follow on Spotify, and also check out The Mismatch. Check out Bill Simmons. Check out Ryan Russillo. All the NBA you can handle on The Ringer.